Thank you for joining me today on the Awake Podcast. And today we're going to be talking about a theme that I'm calling the end of missions. And to really explain to you what I mean by that, I have to go back a little bit to earlier this summer when I found myself on the ground in Guatemala. And I I woke up one morning and I went outside and the sun was coming up and the day was still cool and, and bearable and not too hot like it so often gets over there. And I was staying up on top of this hill and I looked out over the beautiful valley below as I sipped my coffee. And to me, this is one of the most beautiful views in the world to me. And part of it's beautiful because it, it really is a beautiful place. But part of it, I believe, may it, what makes it so beautiful is, is what this view represents to me because it represents all the beautiful lives that I've been introduced to there over the years. And I really don't think I can look at that view or, or think about that view right now without thinking of those lives and seeing their faces. Blanca and Mimi and Kevin and Henry and Diego and Marguerite and and so many more. So this is a special place for me. But on this particular morning, something was bothering me and I really didn't even know it. I was unsettled. I was uneasy because this this work is what I love to do and I'm I'm passionate about it. It's part of me through and through. I have grown up in this life and in some ways you could just say that it's in my blood. But for too long I've had such a hard time reconciling this work that I do with my quote unquote real life back home. I, I've had a hard time separating it and I began to wonder why I had to. Why did I have to define this work that I do? And, and by defining it, why did it make me feel so boxed in? And so as I worked through some of those feelings, here's what came out. And when I say this is what came out, I mean literally poured out as fast as I could type these notes on my phone. So I want to, I want to read to you uh, part of what I wrote that day. I'm on a mission I'm on a mission to end missions. That's what I said, and and here's what I mean by it. You see, I don't like the word missions, and I haven't for some time because it separates this work that we do from our real life. And by defining it, we make it a choice, something we can choose to do or not do, a trip we can choose to go on or not go on. And I used to think that I had to separate everything, that I had to keep my personal and fun life separate from my quote-unquote mission work. But now I know what's more authentic is embracing it all, the good and the heartbreaking all at the same time. So that means one minute I'm posting an article on how women and young girls around the world are being forced into the sex trade and the next post is happy faces with my kids on a ball field. But what I've learned is that it's all the same life, the good, the beautiful, and the ugly, the ups and downs, the highs, the lows, the happy and the heartbreaking, the interesting and the seriously disturbing. And God can be found in all of it. He is not absent. And I'm not saying that I completely understand why God allows suffering. And the truth is, I'm not sure I will ever understand suffering, pain, poverty, In most days, I simply can't stand it. 
And while I want to scream over senseless shootings and murders and break down and cry when I see children suffer because they have no food or water, I hold on to the only truth I know. That a day is coming when the world will be made new, and I long for that new world. But until then, my calling, your calling, and the calling of all who claim to follow Jesus Christ should be to restore hope. No judging, just love. No handouts, but a hand out of poverty. No guilt, but true compassion that only comes from meeting people right where they are. This is what it means to truly live out our faith. It's not called missions. It's called life. So that's part of what poured out of me on that hill in Guatemala while drinking my coffee that morning, and I've not been able to stop thinking about it since. But let's be honest. Like I said, I work for a missions organization, and that word missions is a part of my vocabulary and really the only word that describes what I do in a way that people understand. But words matter. And I wonder, can I really just stop using that word? My first missions memories go back as far as I can remember, even before I was born. You see, my great uncle, my dad's uncle, was a missions pioneer. He began taking groups of people to Mexico on mission trips long before it was popular to do so. And he even worked at a large Christian university taking students on some of those trips. And my dad was a teenager on one of those early trips. And and that particular trip really was a defining moment in his life and impacted the course of his life forever. And a week after he married my mom, he took her on one of those early trips. They drove on a bus with a group to Mexico from West Virginia all the way to Mexico. When they got there, he stayed with the guys. She stayed with the girls a week into their marriage. I don't know how it survived. But my first missions memory goes back to when I believe I was in early grade school. And I remember someone coming to school. I honestly can't remember if it was a slideshow or a a film of some sort. But it was a missions film about this person's work in Papua New Guinea. And there was something about those images that I saw, images that were so foreign to me, people dressed so differently than than we did, and, and a land so far away. And that film painted a picture in my young head about what missions must be all about. Going to a place so very different from home where they don't speak your language or eat your food, that is what it must mean to be a missionary. I grew up in the ministry and around missionaries. My dad ended up following in his uncle's footstep and working at that same Christian university, leading groups of students all around the world. And and that's how I grew up. And when I was 11, I went on my first trip with my dad, my first traditional missions trip, and we went to Korea. And there's so many things that uh, struck me on that trip and really impacted my my young mind. I remember we were doing a large assembly at a a Korean school. And as I sat up on the platform and, and overlooked the students, I was just struck by how there were hundreds and hundreds of students that had gathered together all lined up in their rows and how they all had the same color of hair. And it's it's just something I, I've never forgotten uh, of, of kind of that image. And 
looking out onto that crowd at that young age, I began to realize what a big world we live in and how small I really am. And I remember on that trip, we visited the what they call the DMZ, the Korean Demilitarized Zone. And this is a 156-mile-long strip of land that really serves as a buffer between North and South Korea. And the DMZ is two and a half miles wide and is heavily guarded and lined with barbed wire and, and landmines. And I walked into this building where if you stand on one side of the room, you are in North Korea. And if you stand on the other side of the room, you are in South Korea. But by far, the thing I remember the most about that trip was looking over into North Korea and seeing these beautiful buildings that I later found out were just facades, just empty shells of buildings. It, it wasn't a real town at all. And, and from that same area or on the buildings, this speakers would blare these propaganda messages of, of prosperity in North Korea. It was a lie then, and it's a lie today. And thinking back on that trip, I think it was at that early age that I really started to see the difference, the clear line between light and darkness and between good and evil. So you see, missions is in my blood and in some ways it's all I've ever known. And some of the best people that I know are missionaries and they've taught me so much through my life. They've, they've dedicated and, and sacrificed so much. So as I've been thinking about this topic, the end of missions, thinking about how missions has impacted my life, thinking about my view of missions, thinking about the incredible missionaries around the world, I found myself going back to one of the original missionaries, a man named William Carey, who's known as the father of modern missions. He was born in 1761. He died in 1834. And his work inspired other missionary greats like Adoniram Judson, Hudson Taylor, and David Livingston. But what I find most interesting about Carey was his frustration with the church at that time and their lack of missions interest. He argued that Jesus' great commission applied to all Christians of all times, and he rebuked his fellow believers of that day for ignoring it. But looking back on Carrie's life makes me wonder if somehow we have gotten off track once again. Because I think we've been taught from an early age what missions is and what it's supposed to be about. And somehow in that process, we've made it a choice to be a missionary instead of a commission that applies to all of us, to all Christians of all times. We've made it a choice to go instead of a mandate to live on mission every day of our lives. Maybe we need to be reminded once again that the Great Commission does apply to all of us. And as our world is shrinking, I believe traditional missions is getting fuzzy. You see, missions is typically defined as, as this. Let me give you a few examples. Someone who attempts to convert others to a particular doctrine or program. Someone sent on a mission, especially a religious or charitable mission to a foreign country. Relating to or connected to a religious mission. And one who is to witness across cultures. To be honest, None of those definitions really resonate with me. None of them accurately describe what missions means to me down in my soul. 
So I started focusing on that last one, one who is to witness across cultures and that word cultures and started to think about what that word means today. You see, I have a friend who pastors a church in the heart of downtown Baltimore. This is a tough place to do a ministry, but a very strategic one. I mean, think about what we've seen on the news in the past year about Baltimore and imagine doing ministry there. But but I'm talking in the very heart of this broken city, the the a place that's engulfed with poverty and racial discrimination and trafficking. But in spite of the hard work, I love how he describes their church. And this is what they have on their website. It says, the needs in Baltimore are both spiritual and physical. Families live in abandoned homes under bridges with limited security and limited access to education and food. Neighbors are killing and hurting one another right here in our city. God continues to remind us that we must remember to stay focused on what he has called us to in Baltimore. We must not lose our sights on the issues that continue to plague our city, and we must remember refugees are here. Immigrants are with us. Disasters are here and disease is here. And we believe God has equipped us with the tools and resources to address those issues. I'm amazed at how much the work he is doing in the heart of Baltimore mirrors the work that we are doing around the world. So where do you draw the line? Is that missions or is that just regular church work? And do we really have to separate it? And yet, although his church has so many needs of their own, they have chosen to reach around the world to work in Guatemala through a project that World Help called Village Transformation. And this is so powerful to me because they need a village or neighborhood transformation of their own, but they want to share what they are doing with the world. And as they expose the people in their church community to the needs of Guatemala, they are igniting an even stronger passion for their own city. You see, the lines of mission are now blurred. It's not simply a choice to go on a trip once a year or a committee to be on at church or a conference to attend. Our work and perspective should go way beyond that. So I wonder what would happen if we lost the labels. What would happen if we quit defining this as missions and simply lived out our lives as people of faith, living lives filled with grace and justice and love? What if we cared more about showing people how to live on earth than just teaching them how to get to heaven. This is what I believe it means to truly live out our faith. It's not called missions. It's called life. Thank you for joining me as we been talking about the end of missions. And there's, there's no way that I could cover a topic this broad in just one podcast. So I invite you to to continue to follow along. Visit my website at noelleyates.com where you'll see a blog I wrote on this topic as well as a video. Follow along on social media on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Noelle Yates. And join the conversation. I would love to hear your views. How would you define missions? And what does missions today really mean to you? And until next time, may we all find ourselves awake and doing a world of good.